0: Hi, this is Lily, and I'm a member of the Beacon Church. Welcome to our podcast. We'd love to meet you, so come visit us on Sundays at 9.30 a.m. or 11.30 a.m. at the Viscardi Center at 201 IU Willets Road in Albertson, New York. Now, Beacon is a non-for-profit, and if you shop Amazon, you can support the work at Beacon by selecting the Beacon Church of Long Island as your supporting organization. And a small portion of every purchase will help move our work forward. Remember to shop at smile.amazon.com and select the Beacon Church of Long Island as your supporting organization. Thank you and hope to see you soon.
1: Well, welcome to Vision Sunday here at Beacon. Once a year, we kind of have a fall kickoff in early September when we look forward to the upcoming year. And it's kind of a split focus. We have a lot of celebration for what God has done this past year. And then we look forward with anticipation for what God is going to do this coming year. And so our theme for this time together today is that we would learn how to press on. If you're a guest with us today, this is a great day to be here. At first, you might feel like, wow, this is the day that the church talks about their vision and their strategies and their resources. Is this like a meeting that I wasn't supposed to come to? Absolutely not. This is a great day to be a guest because you're going to get a comprehensive look at everything at Beacon that we think matters and we think is important. So you actually get to look right under the hood and see how the car runs as you're checking out the church. So it's a great day To be here Now we're going to focus ourselves in the Word as we always do. We're going to turn to the Bible in Philippians chapter 3 and verse 3. So if everyone in the room could turn there, we're going to read kind of an extended section. So you're going to want to have a copy of the Bible. If you don't have a paper Bible with you and you would like one, just raise your hand. The ushers have them. They would love to put one in your hand. If you're using an app, we'll read from the New International Version as we usually do. Now Philippians is written by St. Paul, the Apostle Paul. And it was written by him at a point in his life that he's been serving Jesus for quite a while. He's been following Christ, and he's been going out on mission. He's been starting churches. He's been, you know, writing letters and writing that were preserved and became, you know, they were, because of the way they were inspired by the Holy Spirit, they were preserved as part of the Bible. In fact, his ministry had been so effective that he had caught the attention of the government, and he had been imprisoned for his faith activities. And Philippians is one of the books that he wrote while he was in prison. So this is what St. Paul, the Apostle Paul, had to say to us at this point in his life. Starting in verse 3, he says, For it is we who are the circumcision. Oh, hang on, we got to stop there. Uh, it's kind of it's a weird thing to bring up, right? I don't know about you, I haven't used that word in any of my emails this week or maybe this year. Right? But Paul starts there, For we are the circumcision. What is he talking about? Okay, Paul is talking about circumcision because it was a custom of God's people that was prescribed in the Old Testament, and it made them distinct and unique from the surrounding people. So he's pointing to that custom as a way of saying, we who are the community of the faithful, we who follow God, we who have been following the way that he called us to. So he goes on, we are the circumcision who serve God by his spirit, who boast in Christ Jesus and who put no confidence in the flesh, though I myself have reasons for such confidence. If someone else thinks they have reasons to put confidence in the flesh, I have more. Circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, in regard to the law, a Pharisee, as for zeal, persecuting the church, as for righteousness based on the law, faultless. But whatever were gains to me in the past, I want to know Christ, yes, to know the power of His resurrection and participation in His sufferings, becoming like Him in His death and so somehow attaining to the resurrection from the dead. Not that I have already obtained all this or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. But one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straighting towards what is ahead, I what? Press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Jesus. All of us, then, who are mature should take such a view of things. Very interesting passage. So Paul starts out by listing seven things from his past that he could be really, really proud of. First of all, he mentioned, number one, he was circumcised. It's just on his mind. I'm sorry, I can't help you. He mentioned it again. But what is he saying? saying? I'm I came from a believing family. I was started off in the right direction. Two, he says, I was of the people of Israel. Paul's proud that he's Jewish, God's chosen people. Three, he says, I'm of the tribe of Benjamin. Israel, historically, was made up of 12 tribes, the 12 sons of Jacob. Kind of. There's a couple grandsons who get in there, but they're the twelve tribes of Israel. Benjamin's a pretty good tribe to be from. Benjamin and his people mostly stayed true to God. Also, kind of fun quirk: the first king of Israel came from the tribe of Benjamin, and his name was Saul. Okay? Well, Saint Paul, his name also used to be Saul. So Saul the Benjamite was the first king of Israel. Also, Saul the Benjamite was Saint Paul. So he's saying, people of Benjamin, these are my people. He says, I'm a Hebrew of Hebrews. I think this is a comment on leadership, kind of like the idiom, a man's man, like the type of person that people look up to. And he says, I was a Pharisee. Now, it's a little weird for us with our historical vantage to hear him say he's proud to be a Pharisee, because we mostly know how Jesus spoke to them and how he called them into deeper levels of faith. But the Pharisees in their day represented the best of Israel. They were a conservative religious political party seeking to establish God's kingdom on earth. They believed in angels, in miracles, and in the resurrection. They were also good patriots who loved their country. These conservative patriots might have even worn red hats that said, make Israel great again. I'm not sure. But Paul was proud. Say, I'm a Pharisee. He says, as for zeal, I was persecuting the church. Again, it's foreign to us, but he's saying... I was so devout to God that I thought this new strand of Christianity that followed this guy Jesus was false, and I was personally trying to stamp it out. And he says, as for righteousness based on the law, I was faultless. He's not saying he never sinned. He's saying he has fulfilled the requirements of the law necessary to be viewed as having his sins forgiven. So Paul looks at these seven things, which, by the way, are a very impressive biography. He was an academic, religious, cultural superstar. This was the type of bio that most of the men of Paul's day were striving to have. But Paul says, I don't take confidence in it. How many of us here living on Long Island can identify, can say, you know, God has given us so many blessings. Many of you, you live in the exact town where you were hoping to live. Your house is the kind of house you were hoping to have. Your kids go to great schools. Your retirement fund is growing all the time. You have a smoking hot wife. I mean, All the things you were striving for in this life, you, you may have. But how often can the blessings of God distract us from the mission of God? And so Paul is saying, all these things that I could be so proud of, I'm not. He said, I consider them loss. In fact, I consider everything as loss. He even goes so far as to say, I consider it to be garbage. And this word for garbage in other translations, it's actually translated as dung. As manure. So Paul says, all those things I could be so proud of, they're just, it's its nothing. It's disgusting. I don't even want to know those things anymore. And instead, Paul says something that I think is qu- kind of quirky. Paul, St. Paul says, I want to know Christ. I feel like interrupting and saying like, oh, uh, Paul, 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 uh, you do know Christ. Are, are you confused? Like, Christ, you know, he met you on the road to Damascus. you served him ever since. You do know Christ. You might know him better than anyone. But Paul says, I want to know Christ. And he's not content with where he's at. And then he ends our section with these big statements, right? Not that I have attained this. I, have not, I don't know Christ yet. Or have arrived at my goal, but I what? Press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold for me. Forgetting what is behind and straining towards what is ahead, I... Press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Then he ends with that little statement. Remember, he said, And everyone who's mature should feel this same way. And I wonder how many of us really have internalized that tension to say, I know Christ, but I want to know Christ more. I want to press on. I want to continue to press in to say, Who is the person of Jesus? How can I know him more? You would think that this would be pretty normative in communities of faith. That Christians would say, yes, I always want to know Jesus more. I'm always striving to press on. I always want to go deeper. But sadly, this is not always the case. Some recent research from the Barna Group said that 38% of Christians are happy with where they're at in their faith, 36% say I'm almost there. So according to their research this is from 2015 it's very recent three out of four Christians say you know I'm I'm pretty much good where I'm at. And here on Vision Sunday I would disagree. Not in a way of punishment or of criticism to say, you need to be going deeper. But in the way that Paul said, we should always press on. We should always strive to go deeper. We should always yearn to know Christ more. To be one of the strongest longings of our heart. To say, I want to be going deeper to know Jesus. So how can a person truly know Jesus? Well, it's Vision Sunday, so what is the vision of our church? Our vision as a church is to love God, love people, grow in Christ, serve the world. We like to write it as a circle, but we always start with love God and we end with serve the world. So say it with me nice and strong. We want to love God, love people, grow in Christ, serve the world. Now, this is not a group goal. This is not something we're hoping to all accomplish as a group. Because if you want to accomplish a big goal as a group, the first thing you do is divide it up, right? Say, all right, well, we need to accomplish this. So you guys, you're going to love God. You're going to love people. You're going to grow in Christ. And sound team, you're going to serve the world. Now we've got it covered, right? We've accomplished our vision as a church. That is not what we mean. This is a personal individual vision for each of us. We're actually saying, I want Olivia to love God, love people, grow in Christ, and serve the world, right? I want Francisco to love God, love people, grow in Christ, serve the world, right? And Mario and Maria, we want each of us to be doing all of these things because when we are pursuing all four of these steps then we are truly seeking to know Jesus. So as we talk about this, I'll have to apologize because sometimes I'm going to call it our vision. Sometimes I'll call it our mission. Sometimes I will call it our discipleship pathway. I just called them steps. That's because for us, they're all the same. We don't have another vision statement. We don't have another mission statement. We don't have another strategy statement. It's only this, okay? Life is complicated enough. So this is it. This is our vision for us as a church, as individuals. And so to that end, as a church, we have one strategy for each of these parts of our vision. To learn to love God, we have one strategy, and that is these services here on Sundays. The point of this service is that we all will love God just a little bit more than when we got here. So that is why we sing, that is why we pray, that is why we study his word, that is why we receive communion. It's so that we can love God a little bit more. To learn to love people, we have small groups. Small groups meet in people's homes in the community about three times a month. We come together in small group, we eat together, we pray together, we talk about the things of God, usually centered around whatever we just talked about on Sunday, and we do life together. And as you spend time together each week, you grow in love for each other. To grow in Christ, we have one strategy, two lanes, but one road to grow in Christ. And that's the classic Christian word, discipleship, talking about growing in our faith. We have discipleship classes that meet about once a month, 10 months a year. We also have discipleship groups where one mentor will meet with two or three people every week, and they'll go very deep into the areas of Christian faith. See, in discipleship classes, that's where we talk about a lot of topics of the faith. Like, what is this priesthood of all believers that you talk about? Or, you know, what is spiritual warfare? Now, some of those things drip into Sunday morning services, sure, because we're always studying the Bible. But remember, they have a different purpose. Because we're here on Sundays to learn how to love God, to be inspired by his presence, to be inspired by his word. Then at a discipleship class, that's where we're really learning. It's a different type of engagement, different strategies, different approach. And then to serve the world... Our strategy is to deploy our congregation into meaningful service, serving the world in ministries both inside and outside of Beacon. So there are some teams you would be familiar with, Roadies and Kids Quest and Cafe and and the Ushers and all those things, but there's also other opportunities. Maybe to go to the Bowery Mission or to go pray with people who are in the hospital who are sick or to go to the inn and serve food to the homeless. And we learn to serve the world through those strategies. So as we look back at this past year as a church, we'll take just a brief second to kind of look at our church's report card to see how we did this past year. You might find it interesting. So how have we been doing in love God? Just trying to say how many people are willing to connect in the services on a regular basis to learn how to love God more. And we had a good year in this area. A year ago in September, we had 459 people regularly connecting in worship. Now, by the end of August, we have 614. So that's an increase of 34%. Now, this is not Sunday attendance. We do do count how many people come, but that's not actually what matters. These are 614 individuals. We know their names. We know their faces. Who regularly engage in worship, plus their kids. So this is great. We've grown by 34% over the past year. That means there's a very good chance that a third of you right here today have never known Beacon anywhere but here at the Viscardi Center. So it's fair to point out, this is the first year that we've been a portable church, and it has gone extremely well. If you were here more than a year ago, you know that we used to meet in a small church building that we still have over in East Williston. This would not have been possible in the old space. But as space opened up, growth came to follow. And being portable has been a tremendous success. So if you're here today and you're thinking, I wonder how much longer we're going to be portable. I wonder how much longer we're going to keep setting everything up and taking everything down. Well, I think we should do it for quite a bit longer, don't you? We have seen incredible growth. It has been incredibly fruitful. God has used it in an unbelievable way. Also, just as a side note, you know, the fact that we are able to lease this space and not own it, and it allows the Sunday services to have less impact on our budget and less impact on a lot of the ministries in the church, which equips us to make sure we're about a church that's about all four parts of our vision. It doesn't allow this one part to sort of dominate the others. We could say more about that, but just think about that, kind of the balance that it brings to the church as a whole. All right, love people. How have we been doing in small groups? Well, small groups had a great year. We've gone from 196 people regularly in small groups to 248. Increase of 27%. This is very exciting. We actually, as a staff, last September said We need to put more energy and time into this because it's not growing in the way that we feel like God has called for it to. And then it had a great year, 27%. But it's not just about the numbers. I've heard more stories this year about how small groups are connecting people in love than I have ever heard before. I'll tell you just one story from my own small group. We had one of our women in our group, Gail. Her mother was sick for quite some time. And we supported Gail through that period and Gail's mother eventually died. And so we all went to the wake, of course, because who's going to come to those things but your small group, right? So we're all there. And it was there for the first time that I met Gail's husband. And Gail, of course, had lots of people to greet. So I was talking to the husband. And he said, you know, throughout this process, I saw the way that your church loves each other and the way that your church comes alongside each other. And I don't have anything like that. Maybe I can find something like that someday. That's what he said. Now, when he said your church, he didn't mean the people who worship at the Viscardi Center. He meant the small group, right? Learning to love people through being in group life together. All right, how have we been doing in growing Christ? I hope you groaned a little bit. This one's not as good. I might need water. This one is not as good as the other three. We haven't seen as much growth in the area of growth as we were hoping to see. A slight decline of about, you know, 6%. Now, there's a little bit of an explanation here because a lot of our D groups kind of finished, and some of those participants are ready to graduate and become mentors. So I think this area is poised for growth in the future, but it's not something that we saw going as well this year as we did the other areas. So it's something that we want to continue to kind of talk about And pray about to see how God might be, you know, leading us to see a little bit more growth in this area. And how have we been doing in Serve the World? Serve the World had tremendous growth this year from 147 people regularly serving to 192. That's growth of 31%, which is great growth. However, you're always allowed to compare it. I don't know if you remember, we have 614 regularly worshiping, right? So there's still more room to grow. Now, why does Serve the World grow so much? Well, <coughs> one of the reasons was the ability that we've had to go portable. Being a portable church allowed more people to engage in worship in meaningful ways through service than we ever had before. Whole new teams were created, like roadies, which needed whole new leaders to develop it. You are the best, even with your new beard. Thank you so much. Sorry. There's things blooming right now, right, September? Yeah. No? They're dying? Yeah, me too. Um, (laughs) All right. So, anyway, being portable has allowed a lot more people to serve. We also launched a whole new ministry called volunteer care which just cares for the people who serve. Just last week I was talking to my friend Andy Ng. he played guitar last week and he said, "Boy, this volunteer care thing is so great. It's really kind of incentive to come and serve." I'm like, "Yeah, it is great." And so being portable has allowed more people to serve than ever before. Did I mention we love being portable? Did I mention that already? It's been a big part of this year seeing how God has used us being a portable church. And we did a new fun initiative this summer. Maria's going to come up. She's going to talk to us about something that we did that was very cool to help people engage in this serve the world value really in a way that we haven't done before. Thank you, Chris. Um, Summer
0: Serve was amazing. We had about 30 people who signed up, and some of them were first-time volunteers, and um, they just helped out so much with the um, the summer yeah the sunday volunteer teams that we have we have over a hundred people that serve each week at fiscordi on about 10 different teams so when the summer is in full swing and there are vacations and activities they could really use the backup and that's exactly what happened it was great Um, we had church families step up to help with the the roadies and the cafe crew and in Kids Quest alone, we had 10 SummerServe volunteers, and six of them just happened to want to stay on in the ministry, which is really cool. And all three of the First Impression SummerServe um, team uh, people kind of wanted to stay on too, so they're doing a regular gig with uh, First Impression, so that's really great. Um, last week, we had a little uh, photo opportunity with a group, and you can see we have some pool props there. And everyone received a little thank you with a gift card tucked in Uh, because we really value your time and we appreciate your service um, here at Beacon. So if you're thinking of serving for the first time and you have even a little bit of time or very little time, we have a place for you here. And if you're serving already and you're looking to expand or or deepen your serving uh, leadership role, we should definitely talk because there are some great opportunities available for you here too. And just a special little plug for the Sound Media team. They can really use... Um, some additional help this summer, this, you know, this season. And so, so if you're thinking about it, you can definitely, you know, check it out. Um, just to echo what Chris said uh, early, and of course um, the important message from St. Paul, to press on and to, um, you know, to really, you know, see what your next step he- is here at, at Beacon. Um, it's really a great place to, to serve. It's a great, great people to work with, and, and you'll definitely be blessed by it. And Joseph Chen and I, who I have the privilege of co-leading our ministry, a volunteer care uh, engagement ministry, will be outside by the um, service opportunity board. We'd love to chat with you and to help you connect with what God has planned for your next steps here at Beacon. So please stop by and see us.
1: Thank you so much. Maria, would you thank her? That was tremendous. I noticed the sound guys turned your mic up nice and loud when you started to plug for their team. So So we've kind of done an assessment here for how we're doing as a church. But now I want to talk about you personally. And so the ushers are giving you another handout right now. There's a lot of paper. It's Vision Sunday to be expected. We're going to do a personal assessment of you and how you are doing in pursuing this mission. Because remember... Our mission as a church is that all of us would be doing these four things. But take a moment. The top of this sheet, you can make notes on it if you like. The top of the sheet's going to be just for you. You're not going to turn that part in. I would love it if you would do a personal assessment. Are you a one, two, a three, or a four? And you can keep it simple, just one score overall. If you're a one, that would mean that you're doing one of these four steps. And since you're here, there's a very good chance that your one would be that you are learning to love God because you're coming the Sunday services. So you'd be a one. Or you might say, I'm a two because I go to Sunday service and I attend my small group. Or you could say, I'm a three because I attend Sunday services and I go to a small group and I also, you know, run the cafe ministry. Or some of you today will say, you know, I'm still a zero. I'm not regularly attending at all. And that's fine. But let's just take a moment to really reflect and say, this is where I'm at. I'm a zero. I'm a one. I'm a two, I'm a three, or I'm a four. And then once you kind of have that number in mind, once you think it through and you know where you're at, then our charge for you today on Vision Sunday, the one thing that we ask you to consider is would you become a plus one? Would you pray about going from one to two or from two to three or from three to four or from zero to one? That's all that we ask you to consider today. Because if you say, you know, I'm a one right now, but I, I love everything you're talking about. I'm going straight from here to four. God bless you. I would love for you to try it. We just know it doesn't tend to work that way. That's not usually the way that God leads us as we grow in our hearts. You can kind of think of it as a car. I don't know how many of you drove a car in your life, have driven a car in your life, where you got to change the gears manually. But think about it for a minute. If you're my age or older, If you're in first gear, you're not going very fast. You need first gear to get started, but you're not really going anywhere. you got to shift into second if you want to kind of accelerate. And if you're in second gear, that'll get you around town, but you really can't get on any decent road. you got to learn how to get into third gear. Third gear will get you places, but it's fourth gear that lets you out on the highway. And if you're in first gear and you decide to just jam that baby right into fourth, you're going to stall the car, right? And if you're idling, you're still a zero, and you just drop it in gear, well, you're going to kill the car completely. No death today, okay? We're not I don't want to kill you. I want you to just pray and consider would you go plus 1. And that's what the bottom of this card is for. I want you to tear it off if you would. Because these are some next steps to consider as you consider going plus 1. For you if you've never engaged in group life at all, you should go to alpha. If you've already been to small groups, we should talk about serving. If you are serving and going to small groups, but you're not growing, we should talk about discipleship. And I would love it if you would check off what you know your next step is here today. Now on Vision Sunday, we not only talk about our vision as a whole, but we put special emphasis on our serve the world value. And this is why. If you engage in service, if you decide, I need to serve the world, and I know that And almost 200 of you are, but that means 400 of you are not yet serving. If you decide to invest in service, you are reinvesting in the whole mission. Because think about it. If you decide to serve, but you serve in a love God ministry like Media Team, you're now equipping almost 700 people to come out and learn how to worship and love God on Sunday. You say, no, 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 I I want to invest in the love people value. I want to host a small group. I want to learn how to lead a small group. I want to be a connect leader in small group. Now you're helping almost 200 people learn how to love people. Or you can say, I want to, I want to invest in growing Christ. I want to be a, a D group leader. I want to help you when you're preparing the discipleship classes. And, and you can. And even, you can even invest in serve the world as serve the world to help serve the world. It works, Right? Because when you say, I want to equip others to serve, I want to help them find their place, or you'll say, I want to lead others in the pursuit of their mission. Because if you will consider significant, meaningful service, you can help many, many people. You can double or triple your contribution by leading others in that same charge. I know that a lot of people uh, as a part of this service won't connect with us live here in the room. If you're on the podcast later or if you're connecting via the web, you can always Text our texting number with any of our keywords alpha, groups, serve, classes, or you can just send us an email because this is all we do is equip people to do this and you'll hear back from us, I promise you. Because for all of us, I believe this is what God is calling us to do. Now, if you're a four already, that doesn't mean you're off the hook. As a four, you should know that by now already. But anyway. To fours, we have a special note for you. You should now be praying and thinking about how you can be pressing on into deeper levels of leadership. How you can be leveraging your experience and your growth to help others. And to that end, in the coming months, we're going to be investing in leaders in new, deeper, more meaningful ways than we ever had before and providing opportunities that we've never provided before. And we will tell you all about that around the holidays. All right, so stay tuned. We have some big stuff coming next year to help leaders fully engage in the mission.